life. Woo! Cheers, homie. Cheers! You know what? I just made my Wi-Fi password, yohomie32. That's good. I'm gonna change that after this airs. That's good, yeah, because you're gonna just have people like latching onto your Wi-Fi left and right. <laughs> they don't know the network though. If they don't you guys know the are network. Out there, welcome to my Wi-Fi. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, my name's Kyle, and I think that this podcast is gonna be a lot of fun. My name is Liz, and I know this podcast is gonna be a lot of fun. I have and- more intuition than you. It's okay. Yeah, well, it just comes with the territory of being you. So I'm glad you didn't say being a woman. Because men have intuition too, Kyle. Well, I'm not so sure that that's true. <laughs> and right. I, think, I think the receipts would prove otherwise. That's, however... That's for the next podcast. However, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't wait in those waters. I, I actually just meant that you are a, a pretty intuitive person. Thanks. Um, so what this podcast is, I'm not really sure. I'll be 100% with you, but... Both Liz and I are super, super passionate musicians and super passionate about the music industry. And so we're going to try to do our best to bring some entertainment value for sure, uh, some information, some artist stories and sort of artist insights. We're very fortunate in our lives to be able to work with some amazing artists um, across pretty much every genre and every instrument. Um, And so that's what we're here to do. Buckle up. Buckle up, y'all. Should we cheers one more time? Should we cheers one more time? So you can't see it because this is a podcast and not a video, but we are drinking Corona. But also, Corona light. (laughs) So if anything happens, it'll be minimal. Yeah, that's right. And we should be fine. And you should say, with deepest sympathies to everyone affected by coronavirus, please stay safe out there. Wash your hands, starting from the back and then the, the front for 20 seconds at least. And, uh, yeah, be safe. Yeah, and for the 38% of you who believe that Corona beer will give you the Corona virus, there's no hope for you, so just stop it now. Yep. Excellent. Alrighty. Liz, tell me about you. Tell me about me? Well, I am a Gemini with a Virgo moon. And, uh, and in this particular week... And single. Oh, God. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's for the third podcast. <sighs> it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. And, uh, and I believe today's episode is titled what, Kyle? I love that journey for you. Uh-huh. I do love that journey for me. <laughs> and uh, I think the goal of today is to talk a little bit about not just who we are, but where we've been. And if we have time, where we're going to go, it's going to be fun. Though nobody knows the answer to any of those questions. So we're just going to pontificate about shit for a while and hope that we get somewhere that's interesting. So Liz, you know, you mentioned kind of before this, we started recording that you're a musician, but you have other interests. (laughs) I know it's it's hard to believe, Um, but I think it's a really interesting point because as former educators and... um, people that interact with not only students, but also people at the beginning of their careers. I think the question that I get asked a lot is, is sort of how did you, how did you get there? Um, and I think this idea of having other interests and perhaps acting on those interests in the form of opportunities along the way was probably the way that I got started. I'm curious to know kind of what that looked like for you. Oh man. Well, okay. 
So if we go back to a galaxy far, far away in north central Florida in the early 90s, you would find a really cute little girl with really long hair who looks a lot like me but smaller, who was super psyched about the violin. And I started playing when I was five. Um, and legend has it is that my parents took me to a recital that was happening locally in my hometown, and I came home and demanded to play. And knowing what I know about me and my parents now, I could see that going down. But I was super, super psyched about music, and I really, really liked the act of playing, the act of performing, and being amongst my musical peers. And as I got more and more deep in the scene, as it were, and for me that was the Suzuki scene, so lots of regimented playing with group lessons and quartets and orchestras and all of this ensemble opportunity, uh, I really liked it because of the people that I got to hang out with as I was doing that. Um, and I also played a lot of different kinds of music. I played a lot of instruments eventually. So as I got more advanced in violin, um, they were like, hey, how do you feel about the cello? And I was like, I love heavy lifting, let's do it. Uh, so I took that on when I was like 10 or 11 and then I started singing in high school. And I think it didn't necessarily matter as much to me what I was doing musically, but that I was doing it and that I was doing it with people. Um, and by the time I got to college, I had made a decision to keep going in my music in a serious way. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in that to the point that I wanted to major in it. But I also aimed to go to a school that had music and other stuff happening. I could tell that if I was gonna go to a conservatory, I probably wouldn't be getting as stimulated as I would want out of my college experience. And that was cool. I think, I, I think I'm pretty proud of myself that I had that wherewithal by the time I was like, you know, 17, 18. Pretty advanced, yeah, as a 17 or 18 year old. I don't know. It, yeah. And for I think for me, the, the patterns that I've recognized in how I made choices, as young as like my late preteens, like early high school years, they were really motivated by me wanting to be a part of the musical community, but not necessarily caring as much about what I was doing there. Just, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be nominated. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, so that, that was a theme I can pick up on for sure. The other part of it is that when I finished college, um, I graduated with two bachelor's degrees, one in cello performance and one in classical like Greco-Roman history because what kind of fallback job is that? I have no idea. But it was cool. It like got me out of the music department. And I had been in undergrad for five years in order to pursue both of those. By the time I was done, I was exhausted. I was super, super tired. I had kicked my own ass to try and audition for grad schools. And I got into a, you know, a bunch of them, some of them being pretty prestigious. But I was so tired. And so by the time I got to my grad program, I was a teaching assistant. I had all this free time. I was you know, essentially getting paid to be there and play the cello in this very like, highly focused academic way. And yet I felt really restless all the time. And, um, and serendipitously, I found myself in an arts admin like intro seminar, just like a regular class for people that were curious about arts administration. And it was like I got struck by lightning. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. this is a thing that you could do that is related to being in music and the arts and making sure that all of that is still happening and all of these organizations are keeping the lights on and doing what they need to do, but not with a musical perspective necessarily as much as a lot of other perspectives. And I was like, 
holy shit, the Gemini in me is so excited about this. And it really felt like that, that, like I felt in my body that that was a thing that was clearly going to make me happy. Not necessarily that it was the clearest decision to, you know, as to what to do once I decided that or Mm -hmm. that I knew exactly how to go about it. But I knew that that was something that was going to make use of my musical background and my desire to work with people and my desire to learn new things and my desire to, um, to find new ways to engage with the musical community. That wasn't just me reinterpreting a piece that was written 200 years ago. Right. Not that any of that is bad either, because right. like, we need those people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's funny that you, we have, we have similar pathways, um, that kind of <laughs> got us to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, which who the hell knows where that is at the moment, but, but Brooklyn, regardless, New York, baby. we are in Brooklyn, New York represent not from here, but adopted hometown. Um, and you know it's funny that you mentioned that we that you took all these opportunities and you kind of kept your eyes open along the way and that you have a set you know a second bachelor's degree in Greco-Roman architecture or whatever you said earlier. Um, <laughs> I just made that up. But the I think also kind of looking back on my path, my journey, if you will, I think that I kind of always had other interests as well, and I think that for me. What was really fun about music was uh, figuring out how to how to like bring entertainment value to your audience, mm-hmm. and like being able to communicate that feeling to them, um, and then having them feel that and kind of getting that back from them was was something that I was really passionate about. So, strangely enough, now I work in marketing in the music industry and. What I do now is absolutely a different take on the things that I learned as a percussionist, as a classical percussionist. And like you said, like while it's beautiful that there are classical percussionists in the world that want to practice, you know, Beethoven and Ravel all day long, every day, like more power to them. But for me, it was all about the sort of larger picture, the communication skills that you built as a musician the community that you have as a musician that's kind of built in because you're you're forced to play with other humans a lot um, and learn their ex- you know eccentricities and try to play to those strengths and kind of you know be a- aware of the weaknesses. Um, it's well, like continuously improving. You know, you have to figure out how to do that, but then with another group of people. Right. Right. And then, like politically, socially. Absolutely. How does that work? And so for me, I think the the cool thing about my job now, and I don't know that I was, I don't know, intuitive enough or smart enough to realize that I was going into this or that I had the skill sets developed as a musician that make it possible for me to do my marketing job now. But actually, it's all kind of built into the work that you do as a musician. And I've been able to transfer those skills over to what I do now. So... I don't know, like when, when students ask me in clinics or, or at, you know, keynotes or whatever, like, how in the heck did you get into this? Well, the answer is I like played music really hard and I worked really, really hard at being a good musician. And suddenly I had all these random skills that I went, oh, cool. I can actually take what I learned here and apply it to marketing, which has served me well, strangely enough. 
or at least that's my perception. That makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like you, when you were in music school, do you, do you remember seeing your colleagues and having thoughts about who you thought might be successful and who you thought might not be successful as a musician? Yes. And what were, like, how could you tell which way they were going to go? So I think there's a, I, well, and I, I would apply this to most things. I think that people who are hard workers get farther than people who are talented. Um, you heard it here first, kids. You're hearing it here first. So I found that, look, success is all about pattern recognition, period. <laughs> and so I think that the, the pattern that I started to recognize as far as people who were successful and people who weren't, and then the people who were perceived as successful but actually weren't, right? Because there's a difference. Because there's a difference. The, the things that I started to notice were those really talented people only could go so far because they didn't have a, the, the sort of back-end work ethic to get them to steps five, six, and seven. Like, they were able to get through steps one through four because they were to, able to kind of rely on that talent. But at some point, there's a, there's a break. Now, granted, those work-hard people, and, and I, I kind of fell into that. I wasn't a talented musician. Um, the... When I became a musician, it was definitely by way of this is a challenge, but I love music. <laughs> so I'm going to dive into this. So steps one through four were agonizing, but actually steps five through eight, and I'm making up these numbers, but steps five through eight got a little easier for me. Mm. Whereas I think it's actually flipped for people who are very, like super, super talented. They experience ease along that first part of the journey. But ding, ding, ding. ding, ding, ding. But I think as time goes on, they start to experience because I think there is a breaking point, and at some point, that's the talent is not going to be enough. So to go back to your original question, which is kind of the pattern that I recognized as a musician, I really had a lot of respect for the people that were working their ass off, even if they weren't as good right now, because I saw something in them that I knew would bear fruit later. Even though, like, in the moment, you know, it's the talented pianists and the talented drummers that, you know, went far in, front, you know, your first or second year, I, by junior, senior, super senior grad school, it was those people that put in the work that were advancing at auditions or winning jobs or, you know, getting teaching jobs, going on to graduate programs and or 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 forging, you know, and, and this was even cooler to see for me personally as a classical musician who kind of put myself in that box for a long time was to see like a classically trained percussionist go out and like form Lake Street Dive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like one of our favorite bands, like mm -hmm. to see, to see something like that where you have much classically trained musicians who are really, really powerful musicians in, in and of themselves and could have easily probably gone on and done, but took those talents and applied them to a completely different genre and a completely different path. And something new and something interesting and provocative, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Right on. So are those people that you suspected might be successful because of that kind of work ethic, are they now, now that you're out of, out of school certainly. a little bit? Certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a list. I mean, folks that, that definitely got the sort of short end of the stick when it came to early sort of college, you know what I mean? And got, got their ass beat by their teachers and 
but just decided they were going to work harder than everybody else and ended up winning. I mean, Mike's a great example of that. Um, Who's Mike? Mike's a member of the Old Guard Five and Drum Corps now and, like, is uh, getting ready to move over to uh, the United States uh, Army Band, which is pretty amazing. That's a good gig. Yeah, it's a good gig. Good good gig and, uh, you know, lives in D.C. and lives on Capitol Hill, so his life is okay. Um, so I have a lot of friends that kind of followed that path. And I, <laughs> I don't know if I did this on purpose. I think if you would have gone back and asked, like, 2010 Kyle... If, if he was smart enough to recognize this, he definitely wasn't. But I I became friends with those people who I noticed were working hard. And maybe it's because we were in the trenches together. I think there's some misery loves company there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. So And, and it's funny, actually, to see the, t- the talented folks, the super talented folks, either decided music wasn't for them and they dropped out. Or they figured out they had to work hard and they started working their ass off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I that those those are really the only two options there. Nobody floated that much. It's hard to float as a musician. Well, there's something interesting that I think is is happening and has been happening for maybe the last decade or so, which is to say that as a musician when you're learning the craft of it all, the technique behind how to be a player of X instrument. Either you're going to be a performer of some kind, so you're going to go to an orchestra, you're going to go be a soloist, you know, God forbid you are like a famous player of X, Y, and Z, and you create a solo career or something like that, or you're going to be a teacher. And I think those are the two careers that you know are possibilities. All the other stuff, though, has started to get a little bit more positive press because, one, the arts admin field is becoming more and more... uh, not only like understood, but structured, there are more and more programs in formal education that allow for a synthesis of business background with your creative background. And there are programs that even kind of go into a specific discipline. So a music specific arts admin program or a dance specific arts admin program. So that's becoming more of an option for people that I think like you and me have interest in these fields, but Mm -hmm. want more out of them in addition to our, our creative lives, we want other stuff kind of propelling our day-to-day interests. Yeah, certainly. And and I think even to that point, even when we were in school... Um, Announcement, I finished my corona and I feel fine. She feels fine. I feel great. That's great. But it was a corona light, so maybe yeah. we'll have to do an A-B test. It's going to be fine. I think that even when back when we were in school, there were a few programs nationally that had collegiate level degrees in music business Mm. but I wouldn't be surprised if that changes to even more programs offering that as time goes on and I don't know that that colleges I think colleges and academia is actually pretty slow to keep up with these types of things and I think starting new programs is really tricky um because like you know it's like look there's a lot of red tape in in academia um for good reason I think in some ways but the um you know how important it is to be a musician that's able to promote their craft in this day and age and how cheap it is to promote your craft, right? If you know where and how to do it. If you know where and how to do it. Knowing is half the battle. That's maybe the name of next next episode. Knowing is half the battle. (laughs) Knowing is half the battle. Once you're on your journey. I understand that. I think that, you know... 
I've seen, you and I both work with people that have come out of really wonderful wonderful programs. Like at the Crane School of Music in Potsdam, New York, there is a music business program that sends tons of their, their interns to things like NAMM. Um, there are wonderful grad programs, such as at Florida State or uh, the University of Wisconsin or American University. There are arts extension programs like at UMass. Um, that were started by the founder of Americans for the Arts. Stuff like that is out there if you go looking for it. Certainly. Um, Certainly. And it's becoming increasingly, I think, accepted to explore those avenues, even if you have a whole bunch of talent in the instrument that you play. So now that it's becoming not only more acceptable for people to be music majors, because previous generations were like, you know, blue collar to have kids that were white collar in their careers, and now we're all humanities majors you right. know except our kids are probably like f that i'm yeah. getting an mba right rightly so <laughs> the economy did fall out from underneath us but i think in general that only happens <laughs> oh, <wait, hold> on. <laughs> guys we're doing fine we're doing everything's fine. fine just stay healthy um i think that now there's this abundance of people that are like wait like what did i major in what am i gonna do and it's wonderful because it is challenging the status quo of of what opportunities exist for people with those backgrounds. Because ultimately, like, what do you get out of music school? You get social skills, you get focus, you yeah. get the ability to like hone in on a goal, like right. learn these four measures right. and figure out how to make yourself better. You have to be very self-motivated. You have to work with people. You have to right. show up at things on time. Right. And all of those well, and skills I think that, the critical thinking skills are, are built in. Yeah, man. Right, because you're alone in the practice room, mm-hmm. right? And I, I think, you know, if, if there's one skill that I would say I transferred to my corporate job um, right away, it was being able to problem solve. Because you get one lesson a week for one hour with your primary teacher in college. I don't know if we meant this to go into deep dive about college, but here we are anyway. <laughs> so, again, I didn't tell you. I, we, have, we have no idea what this is going to be. But you get one hour a week with your private lessons teacher if that. If that. If you're lucky, right? And you're supposed to put in, I don't know, some hours a week of practice. More is better. So the rest of those hours, it's all you alone in a practice room by yourself trying to probably do many things that your private lessons teacher gave you to work on, but to do that by yourself and without really much help from anybody else. I um, mean, if you're lucky, you learn how to use your colleagues to your advantage and play to their strengths. Um, yeah, so I think that the practicing that you do um, teaches you a lot about who you are and teaches you those critical thinking skills. I think you learn a lot about who you are. And I think all those skills that you can learn as a musician are really important and transferable, like I mentioned. Though I'm sure there's an argument to be made somewhere in the world that art for art's sake is, is good. And I actually think if you're if you're a really passionate musician, a really passionate player, you should just do that and rock on with your bad self, work as hard as you possibly can. And I, this translates outside of our sort of backgrounds in the classical training world. But I mean, the musicians that really excite me, and I'm sorry, I'm going to segue, but the musicians that really excite me today um, are the ones that are taking the craft into some type of different new genre um, and sort of breaking those barriers of what what sort of have has existed in the past 
And I think that they they do that because they they can't, you know what I mean? Like those musicians are so passionate about creating that they're the things that are happening from them are really new and exciting. I'm curious to know what is getting you excited about music today? Or who is getting you excited about music today? What and who? Yeah. Oh, goodness. First of all, I am excited for subscription music services because it has allowed me to consume things very differently. So my particular drug of choice is Apple Music just because it's like... Because you were like, hey, I use it too. We can both be friends and share stuff. I now realize that like virtually all of my other social circle now uses Spotify. And so I'm like, Yeah, but I like that I had that impact on you. So if Apple Music wants to sponsor this podcast, get at me. Get at us, guys. It's going to be fine. But realistically, whatever you use, and there are many that are out there that are totally wonderful and that work with a whole host of artists and hopefully support them and continue their mission. I think it's cool that we have access to so much music so that the people that you've just talked about, Kyle, that if you are interested in creating something and you are hungry to put your perspective out there as a musician, there are so far fewer barriers. It's amazing. It's it's way easier to do that. I actually read, I mean, to that point, I just read an article last night, which came out, I think, a week prior, that said recorded music is having its best year or had its best year in 2019 that it ever had. And it's specifically because of our streaming culture. And not only that, but it's propelling a lot of other random ass analog kinds of things too, like the vinyl record industry. It's Absolutely. This wonderful resurgence. Right. We're seeing increased kinds of interaction between artist and consumer in social media platforms. And you have stuff that's pointing you to where music is happening. You have so far sounds, this boutique concert experience Amazing. that you can sign up for to experience a last minute secret concert somewhere in like a random Lululemon shop or something like that. Yeah. So I think the idea that, um, that creativity is getting stifled by, you know, the digital world or that there's like limitations on what you can do as an artist and it's really hard. Sure. That might be out there, but I think that the idea that you as an artist can put your own perspective out there and make your, your, you know, gifts present in the world is way more possible now than it's ever been before. Yeah. So I love that. And then specific to like the artists that I'm listening to, um, someone that I am super jazzed about is Tom Mish. He's a, oh. a super young hotshot. Yeah. Love Tom. A guitarist and singer and writer out of the UK. He has a wonderful album called Geography that I super, super dove into a while ago. And then he just put out a new single called What Kind of Music yeah. um, with Yousef. Yeah, Yousef Deus. And, and actually, I just saw that. And they and actually, I, I think you can order. It's not available on streaming services yet, but you can actually order their vinyl kind of to what you were saying earlier. Oh shit, I can get the whole album. Yeah, you can get the whole album right now. You just have to order the vinyl. Um, I will order the vinyl. Yeah, and between him and Yousef, like that is actually, so if if you're unfamiliar with Yousef Deus, he was uh, one half of Yousef Kamal um, with Kamal Williams and um, their record, um, I think it was called Black Focus. I think it was like a 2016 or 2017 release. One of the best jazz records of the decade in my opinion and 
he was, they both were kind of on the front end of this renaissance of jazz music happening in the UK right now mm. um, with, with, and I mean, Tom is, is sort of in that camp, mm-hmm. but so is uh, Moses Boyd, Shabaka Hutchins, Nubaya uh, Nub- uh, Garcia, Ezra Collective, Femi Calioso, all these great musicians that have just sort of um, come from the sort of UK jazz underground scene and are now really becoming prominent musicians. So, so anyway, not yeah, to some of them are really thunder, young but, and really fresh. And, yeah. and I think that it's cool that they've got so much out there, like being as young as they are. Yeah. Which is very cool. Yeah. And saying something I think that's totally, totally different. Um, sort of in, you know, jazz has really gone through a, a bunch of changes in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I would argue that Snarky Puppy was, was the, the cause of a lot of that. Um, and their sort of spin on jazz, mm-hmm. but but I think I think you're, I think jazz is actually a, a really really cool place. So so it's interesting that you mentioned Tom because he he kind of lives in that middle ground of like pop jazz. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The changes that he's playing in the in the music that he's creating is uh, kind of intellectual. In fact, he yeah he has a really he has a, like his harmonic language is very sophisticated. But Absolutely, he makes it. Super consumable, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm realizing too. There's another really great example of that in like Makaya McCraven. UMass alum, Makaya uh, McCraven. UMass alum, Woo-hoo. and one of his frequent collaborators, Joel Ross, mm-hmm. who's an amazing, amazing vibraphone player. And it's been about ten years, give or take, since. Uh, sorry, this is the percussionist speaking in me, but. <laughs> Uh, you since, should apologize. Since, uh, and I'm going to apologize every time about the percussion thing because you know that's where my head's always going to go. We're sorry. He's a percussionist. The, it's interesting because it's been about 10 years since there's been a prominent jazz vibraphonist that has emerged. Um, the last probably being like Warren Wolf or Stefan Harris, um, who, are, who are amazing and still in the scene and, and certainly doing some amazing things. But to your point, like this, this Makaya project... Um, I think it was Universal Beings was the mm-hmm. most recent um, big project uh, that he did of original music, and it's it's really really incredible what what's happening on that record and featuring Shabaka, Nubaya, all, all these incredible musicians. Yeah, I remember you putting on. Um, oh, what is the name of that track? From Highly Rare. Oh, oh, above uh, and beyond. Above and beyond, yeah. And we were sitting in what, like a Camaro or something uh, in LA. In LA. We had just yeah. come from the NAM show. We were both like, I need to sit in a dark, quiet space. And then this boomy, like bosom of beady jazz comes on and I was like, What is this? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Was well, cool. and you know, thinking sort of in those along those lines. Um, since we're stuck on quasi jazz at the moment, the the one that comes immediately to mind is Thundercat. Oh, dude. And and Thundercat is has done some like crazy, crazy creative shit in the last five years since he released Drunk. Um, but I mean, if if you haven't listened to to Thundercat's music. It's, it's somehow nostalgic and new. It's like jazz, but it's hip hop, but it's funk, but it's pop. It's, and he actually just released uh, last uh, two weeks ago, 
Dragon Ball Do-Rag, um, which is amazing. And last week, uh, put out the visuals for it. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Which is just him showing, I believe, his true self and his lack of game, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is pretty amazing. But he tries to attract uh, this this female with um, his, his Dragon Ball Do-Rag and it doesn't really pay off for him in the I, video, which I is pretty amazing. I deeply love that the name of his album is It Is What It Is, yeah. which I feel like yeah. for like, as you become like a more <laughs> mature human, like whatever that version of maturity is for you. Right. Like, I've never found it, but. You'll get there, Kyle. You're still in your 20s. God bless you. Amen. Praying for you. It's going to be fine. But realistically, I think that he's someone that has been out there in such a way in a very creative way for a while and right. to hear his perspective kind of shift more towards um, something that is more mature and that is more kind of concise, yeah. I guess, musically, it's very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and to come from Suicidal Tendencies, which is a completely different genre and a completely different background and 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 I and forgive me, I'm not that familiar with Suicidal Tendencies music, um, but I think he was really master of the bass in Suicidal Tendencies and then now to, to be a you know create a songwriter a singer a, a bass player of course is, is his you know original craft it's it's pretty remarkable and I think I mean you know we can probably go on all day long about folks that are doing that same kind of thing but in their own unique way and I think for me that's what makes this industry so amazing is that, you know, you're, you, if you're paying attention, I mean, you can go between listening to Thundercat, to Tom Mish, to Beethoven, to, you know, uh, name a rock group here. By the way, what happened to all the good rock? You know what? You know what we should do right now? I'm going to put, this is one of my favorite games. I'm going to go to my iPod, which is my phone, and I'm going to put my songs on shuffle. Excuse me. Did you just say iPod? I did. Mm, I did. Delightful. And I'm going to list the first five songs that come up in Shuffle, and I'm not going to... I think there are 17-year-olds gonna... that don't know what an iPod is. I bet there are. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. They don't need to know. But I love this journey for them. I love this journey for us, because yeah. I'm about to not lie to you about what songs I have downloaded to I'm my prepared. phone. I'm prepared. Let's see. So first up is Ya by Kendrick Lamar. Cool. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Absolutely. And by the cool way, Kendrick, start. if you're listening, and I know you are... Um, time for some new music, man. Let's go. Another cool it, the on, first on lyric deck. of this is new shit. Okay, cool. Next up, ooh, Second Chance from Disclosure. That was a fucking great mm. record and helped me kind of come alive in my late 20s living in Brooklyn, mm. dancing my face off to these young ch- child DJs yeah, that's who right. obscured their faces because that's they right. knew they were so cute. Um, okay, Rental Car by Beck from Guero. Okay. I'm not too sad about that <laughs> clean bandit solo featuring <laughs> demi lovato oh man i'm into that too i actually really like this that's song. great she's she's a good singer yeah clean she bandit's is. lit she's okay. great Who and was, then nobody was judging by the way no it's fine i great. i just have a lot of uh no it's fine everything's fine and then i don't know how many that is but last up i will i will roll out that i have bull weevil from punch brothers Ugh. wonderful wonderful album the phosphorescent blues Luckily, this didn't unearth some of my more classical tendencies. Because yeah. you might, like this morning I did the same thing, but privately. And you yeah. get something like Hinnemith's Matisse Mahler. Or, yeah. you know, 
Peleus and Melisande. Oh, yes. See? Totally fine. Well, and I think, I don't know, isn't that what's beautiful about the streaming service? That is what's beautiful about the streaming service. I also feel like I can dig into something with way more enthusiasm nowadays because I can be like, yo, I'm going to listen to this whole discography or I'm going to listen to four different recordings of the same Beethoven symphony. Yeah. So I think it's it's affording a lot of access to creative people out of function, out of interest and curiosity, out of um, trying to you know propel one's career. So right. that's pretty fun. Well, and I think it's changed to to put my like marketing and branding hat on for one moment. I think it's changed the entire landscape around how to release music, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it's so simple for an artist to publish a new song. Um, or a new record, or a new EP, or whatever it ends up being, the sort of avenues for promotion are so open now that you can get really creative with how you bring attention to a record. I mean, you know, just last week, um, our Lord and Savior, uh, Lady Gaga, released a new... Stupid music! Stupid love. Stupid love, not stupid music. and, And she, you know, it's like, look... And, and and I joke because she's like the mother monster or whatever. That's what she calls herself. But I'm taking a sip of your beer. Okay, now. great. I she finished her beer, so now she's going on to my beer. So that's good. Whatever. The, but but I mean like, and, and like uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, Eminem put out "Music to Be Murdered By," and it was like, n- nobody knew that was coming, right? I mean, so. There's, that, wait, hold up. Is that why he sang at the Oscars? I don't know. Do we know? Because he did 8 Mile at the Oscars. And like, Billie Eilish is sitting here being like, who are you? I <laughs> loved the the meme that came from Billie Eilish's face. <laughs> Watching Eminem is my whole existence. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's kind of old news. Yeah. It's not new. It's not new. But it's still hilarious. Right. Please go check out the GIF on the internet, whatever that is. It's yeah. great. Or is I it might, GIF? I don't know. Whatever. Cool. Wait, can we do the same thing with your phone? Can we do your first You know, I, I, I was going to try, but I'm recording, so I don't know if this is going to, like, throw it off. Never but mind. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's, let's see what happens. Okay, yeah, we can definitely do this. I've got, uh, I've got them pulled up. Are you ready? Yeah. Excellent. So here's my, my, my first five off my shuffled song list on my iPhone. Uh, Robert Glasper, Black Radio 2. Woo. A classic. Classic. Drake, Views. <laughs> We're still talking about that. Let's do it. Let's do it. It works. <laughs> Jaden Smith, Eris. Oh. Which is the follow-up to his sire. Okay. Eris's sire spelled backwards. That's one way He's to a do really it. clever teen. <laughs> the teens scare me. The Can teens. I just say that? <laughs> teens out there, I really love you and I want you to succeed. But you've got so many facets and moods. And TikTok. Oh, God. It's going to be fine. I sound like an old. It's fine. I'm it's good. Great. We're fine. We're going to have a TikTok. Greta Van Fleet, A Change Is Going to Come, Woo! which is a, honestly one of the better covers of the Sam Cooke tune. Honestly. Really, really good. And then I'm super excited to say that the f- uh, fifth song that came up was uh, my good friend Amir Usman with his keyboard uh collaborator Lej Keys when I see you. So we um, might get him uh get him out of here someday. Yeah we might talk uh, to him in more detail. Maybe we'll uh maybe we'll talk to those guys and see what see what they think about music and life and culture and 
playing the tenor drums. Ooh, wait, what's a tenor drum? It's those multiple drums that you see those marching band kids walking around with these days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For, yeah, for friendly audience reminders, I'm a cellist, so as much as everyone really likes to joke that I should be in a marching band, I don't actually know as, as much as I would like about the marching world. So oh, it's okay. We'll do an episode about that. Yeah, we should you do an episode You can talk to about me that. about marching band. Yeah. I would love to talk to you about marching band, and maybe we'll get Amir to jump on with us. Sick. Um, yeah, pretty amazing that, you know, within... And, and I, I'm sure there's an argument to be made that these folks don't get paid as much when you're streaming, and I think, I think there's probably some middle ground that we'll end up finding someday where artists are actually paid more for being able to stream their songs, and I hope that we find that middle ground. But as a consumer of music it's opened up complete new worlds for me to be able to to have access to all this music i never would have had access to if i had to buy it um and that barrier to entry was much higher so i don't know i i'm i find myself somewhere in the middle of of that debate you know what i mean i don't know what do you think about all that well i would like to know more about how the artist support part of it works um but what i you know what i do know now is that it is really hard to drive a profit from streaming services writ large there's also a lot of red tape that comes from um from not self-publishing so if you are involving others in the mix there's this balance of of management and production and that kind of stuff that you also have to account for in payment but I say that knowing that that's not a bad thing. I mean, that helps to enable publicity and marketing and better production and access to certain other things too. So um, I think that for the consumer, which is the perspective that I have, it has enabled a lot of participation with the artists and with their product in a way that makes me more excited about it. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I'm old enough to remember what it was like to play tapes rewind them, spin vinyl, work with CDs in whatever shitty way that was. I had a Sony Walkman. Absolutely. They sucked. It's yeah. fine. I'm really happy to not have to drag that shit around in my car yeah, anymore. It was like foamy over the ear headphones that like hurt after a certain amount of time that you wore them. Mm -hmm. Those are the only headphones anyone ever has in a music library. Yeah, Despite right. whatever year it is, it's fine. Yeah. But I, yeah, it's it's something that we should maybe dig into on a in a future discussion to try yeah. and figure out how streaming affects other people either in front of or behind you know the recording mechanisms, and uh, and unpack some of the pitfalls and the benefits for sure. Yeah. More on that later, kids. Wow. Well, on that so, note. <laughs> that's an episode. Kyle, I want everyone to know that I feel healthy after having drunk my Corona light. I do so not feel ill. Is the key Corona light? It might be. That's excellent. That's yep. excellent. Though it does have like a five day gestation period. So maybe get back to me next time we do a podcast. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Let me know how you feel. And in all seriousness, guys, stay healthy out there. We know that there are a lot of people who are living in some serious fear of larger repercussions. So, you know, stay safe, wash your hands. Be healthy. Wash your hands. The CDC says use common sense. <laughs> so, it I should don't know. be so simple. It should be so Wait, simple. Wait, can I say that in response to like emails that I get from people where I'm like, what? <laughs> I have to say, it's 
every fiber in my being is like resisting the urge to write per my last email on most of a daily basis. But like, <laughs> that is a nut. Are we sure we're not going to call this per my last email? That's another, that's another episode. <laughs> no, remember this you know is what's beautiful? journey. What's beautiful? That this is episode one. What? Like star Wars? That episode sucked. Not quite like Star Wars because I'm not a big Anakin fan. However, I would say that <laughs> we really, we really, and I'll speak for you for one moment, if I may. You may. I think we had a lot of fun with this. I got a beer out of it. We both got a beer out of it. Got to let off some steam after this crazy day. We got hazed. And on top of it, hopefully provided some amount of value to the listener you guys out there in cyberspace. So we're probably gonna do more of these. And with that guys, this concludes, I love that journey for you. The inaugural episode of Sonic's podcast featuring your pals, Kyle and Liz. Have an excellent musical day. Be safe out there guys. Bye-bye.